worship with us today. Chris is here. Call, so he had to take a call, and he'll be back in as soon as he can. We're going to get started lifting the Lord up. You know, uh, the Bible talks a lot about joy and how um, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, even though we go through things, the Bible also says that um, sorrow may last through the night, but joy cometh in the morning. So let today be your morning, the day that you lift the Lord up with joy and praise, and that'll help give you a new perspective. If, if you can just praise God, sometimes we think that when we're feeling down and low that we just can't praise God because we don't have the energy or we're, not, we're going through so much, but those are the times that we really need to lift them up. And then he promises us that if we lift them up, that he'll draw us onto him. So let's lift them up in praise today. We're going to sing, um, Are You Washed in the Blood? Cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bride And be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed in the blood In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And as he said, uh, our, our brother, uh, um, Chris, goodness gracious, is having to be on call this morning. He's on a phone call, so he'll be in when he can. But isn't it great that wherever we are, God's in control. Amen? Amen. So let's go to him and just ask his blessing to be upon this service this morning. Father God, I just come before you and just praise you together today, Lord God, that, that we are in your house, that we can be thankful that you've given us a country that we can freely gather and freely proclaim your righteousness and your glory. So, God, I just pray that you will open the windows of heaven and pour out your blessings upon us this day. There are many that's not here this morning. There are several at the coast. Some of, uh, are out towards uh, Garner. God, there's so many people traveling for the 4th of July. I just thank you, Lord, that you can not only be right here amongst us this morning, but you can be wherever they are as well at the same time. So, God, I just lay this completely in your hands and ask, Lord, that you bless us. May everything that transpires here this day bring glory to your name. And may you be able to sit back in heaven and smile and say, those are my children down there in Sutherland Springs. Father, if there is one person, though, here today, any people here today that does not know you, if there's someone that has not surrendered their, their, their lordship over to your lordship, 
May that transpire here today. May you speak in such a fashion, whether through song, through a prayer, a handshake, uh, the sermon, whatever it may be, I pray that if there's someone here today that has not bowed a knee, that this be the day before it's too late. But may every one of us leave here today changed and on fire for who you are. May thy will be done, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Like I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Walk around a second. Shake somebody's hand. Give them a hug. Just tell them it's good to see them in God's house this morning. Amen. How are you, young man? Doing all right, sir? Hey, beautiful. How are you? Not my will, but thine. He had no tears for his sorrows, but one but to drop for mine. Oh, how marvelous! Oh, how wonderful! And my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous! Oh, how wonderful! And Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Oh, how marvelous! Oh, how wonderful! And my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransom and glory, His face at last shall see. Will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. Oh, how marvelous! Oh, how wonderful! And my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous! Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Amen. Amen. As we get back to our seats this morning, I just got a couple announcements today. One of which, we're in that time of the season where there's a lot of camps coming up. A lot of different summer camps and things of that nature. And I mentioned it last week, but let me uh, bring out again, be praying. You may not be going to the camps, but that doesn't mean that you can't lift them up in prayer. Both the instructors, the teachers, the counselors that are going, the sponsors that are going, and the students, whether they're little or big. So just keep all them in your prayers throughout the summer. If you don't know exactly when the camps are coming, not all of them are in the, in the bulletin, uh, that doesn't mean you can't just say, Lord, whatever camps are going on this week, we, w- we want to be praying for them. Amen? So be praying for all the summer camps, for all to go well and lives be changed. Uh, that being said as well, there, uh, there, I think we normally do not cancel the evening service on 4th of July, but I believe we're going to cancel tonight's service. Everybody except for Rod and I that normally come, unless you tell me otherwise that you were planning on coming, I suppose, but everyone's out of town for 4th of July. So it would just be Rod and I looking across the table at each other, and I thought, might as well, uh, what? Okay, what? Bro time? Mandate. I don't think we're that kind of church, brother. Maybe Yorktown, where you're from, but (laughs) I'll talk to your dad about that. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, okay. (laughs) 
in all seriousness, I don't think we're going to have our Bible study this evening. Uh, so, so get with me if you if you think we should do otherwise. I suppose, but it looks like the, every everybody's out having a good time this week, and praise the Lord for that. And we'll pick it back up next Sunday and, and keep right on running with that. All right, and I, I really don't have. There's a there's other things in your bulletin. I want to make sure you look at there. However, as far as announcements, I think that's enough for me. I'm going to Brian. You want to come up and do our scripture reading this morning? And for those that were asking about the AC in the bus, it was fully covered under warranty. He, he, he found the line that was bad, and he said he's totally covering it. So church is out, uh, church is God's blessing there. Amen. That's pretty cool, because I imagine it was a line that he didn't replace. He said he didn't know if they did or not, so he was going to fully cover it. <laughs> Amen. Father God, I just come before you and thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. And as my brother's getting up now to share with the scripture reading, may we hear you through him. Bless him his willingness to, to do your will and bless his family, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank, Thank you, brother. you, brother. Praise God. Uh, I want to read today out of uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2 a little bit this morning. You know, uh, this is the fourth weekend, and we get to enjoy a good country. But I wanted to talk a little bit about praying for that country because sometimes I think we might tend to fall short a little bit there. This is uh, written by Paul uh, advising young Timothy who's about to take over a big job uh, leading a church. Um, Who better to give these instructions? You know, uh, Paul was a Roman and a Jew. Uh, He'd been trained as a Pharisee uh, and he had spoken one-on-one with Jesus, met Jesus and turned around, he knew what was going on. And he knew how people think. He was much older. Timothy was young. So he's given all this good advice. Not only that, I mean, those things make good sense to us, right? God was telling him what to say to Timothy. And uh, this, well, let me read it, first of all. Let me read it first of all, and it starts with those words. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority. Okay. Um, He says here, he's urging that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings all be made for everyone, for kings and all of those who are in authority. He doesn't say here, I I urge you, Timothy, to pray for these people. Timothy's going to be the leader of this church, right? When he's saying here, I urge that all of this be done, he's telling Timothy, hey, you need to make sure that your church is praying for the government. And everyone else, you know, uh, I can remember, uh, I didn't know about them till about 2003, but in 2001, uh, an organization started up called the Presidential Prayer Team. And I, d- I didn't know about them until then. Uh, it's not part of the government. Uh, I think, I think Franklin Graham started it. I don't know, uh, the actual history, but I can remember when, uh, when, uh, uh it started out, you know, probably along the time of, sep- of September the 11th, of 9-11, um, when that happened. Uh, I, I don't know for sure, but that's the same year anyways. And I can only imagine the, I, I can remember the prayer that happened after that event. Um, we shouldn't have to have an event like that wake us up to pray the way that we do. Um, the president at the time really encouraged prayers, asked for prayers, um, dedicated days to prayer, and uh, specifically asked what to be prayed for. If the president that we have now doesn't, that's all the more reason to pray that much harder for him and for God's blessings on this country. Let me read it again. It says, uh, first of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings 
and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, if, we, if we're praying like that and setting an example, and people that aren't saved yet see it, see God go to work, see things happen, what better to bring them to the Lord? What better? So keep on praying. No matter who's in office, no matter who gets in office, pray for the election, but pray. And, uh, um, you know, one of the slogans is, let's make this country great again. Prayer will make this country greater than ever. Oh, sorry, brother. <laughs> sorry, brother. Ha! Ripped you off. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father God, thank you for letting us live in this country. God, thank you for letting us come to your house and worship. And God, I thank you for the fellowship that happens here, Lord. I just praise you for the renewing effect, the joy that we can have not only from serving a holy God, the holy God, but for having the fellowship with our brothers and sisters here that we can have. God, hear our prayers, Lord, and maybe if we if 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 our mind is on the wrong track, Lord, I pray that you bring us back to praying as we should for our country and thanking you, lifting up thanks to you, God, for this country. And uh I just pray that you continue to work that way. God, forgive us when we do fall short, when we don't uh, do what would fit in your perfect will. God, I just pray that you forgive us for that and uh, be with us, God. Bless this weekend. Bless the ones that are traveling, God, and uh, uh, touch us all today, God. And I pray these things in the holy, precious, sweet name of Jesus, our living Savior. Amen. Bless the Lord. We're going to lift the Lord up and praise together. I just want to apologize to you guys. When we were practicing this morning, I was playing the bass, and I didn't practice these songs to play the <laughs> chords. So uh, I, I know that, uh, that God's going to be praised anyway. In a, when we're at our weakest, he's strong, right? So if worse comes to worse, we'll just sing these songs a cappella. There you and, go. <laughs> but um, we're going to get going on them. And um, this is a great song um, because it talks about how much we need our Savior, how much we need. God in our lives. Amen. <laughs> Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart You're the one That guides my heart Lord, I need you Oh, I need you Every hour I need you My one defense my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, is where you are, and where you are.
So teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I Teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand up fall on you Jesus, you're my hopeless day Lord, I need you Oh, I need
Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just pray that you'd allow each of us to um, just tune out everything that's um, pulling us down, lay aside every worry and every weight, Lord God, and just hear your word clearly from the pastor as he brings it forth. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to uh, take that word out into the street and um, share it with others that you might be lifted up and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I know it's hard when you're put in the spot like that, and he pulled, he did very good, didn't he, guys? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, brother. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Second Chronicles, a very familiar passage of Scripture to many of us, but Second Chronicles chapter 7 is where we're going to be looking at this morning. As we celebrate, this being the 4th of July weekend, I'm going to kind of step on our toes just a little bit as Christians, I hope, and, and put us more into the role of responsible. We need to be a, just a wee bit more responsible. We're celebrating our uh, 240th birthday as a nation, and I do believe that this is probably the, the greatest country on earth. I truly believe that with all that I am. I, I, I don't believe you can go look at Rome, you can look at the ancient Greek civilizations, I don't believe in my mind that there's probably been a country as great as this one with true freedom interworked and interlaced into the webbing that actually was the foundation of this country in which we live. I praise God to be able to be a part of this nation. We have been given an incredible nation. We have been given a great nation. And in so being, we have been called to be the stewards of this great nation. This is, we have been given a nation, and we thereby should, I believe, with, with everything I can come up with, be taking care of it. Our founding fathers sacrificed a great deal so that we could have this nation. They, they, they gave over immense things so that we can come here and openly and freely worship together in this little church here in Sutherland Springs and be able to do so without worry, without problem of, of people busting in the doors. We have been given incredible freedoms here. Men like Washington and, 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 and Adams and Jefferson, these were men and many others who pray, paid a great price for the freedoms we have here. And throughout the years, countless number of people have laid down their lives in line to fight for the freedoms that you and I enjoy. Joy. Many, many people have shed their blood, both male and female, boy and girl, young and old. There has been a lot of blood spilt so that you and I can have the freedoms that we so incredibly enjoy in this nation. But how is it that we enjoy so much freedom, and yet we do very little, really, to, to, to be good stewards of this? How are we taking care of of the nation that was handed to us. Would our founding fathers, I guess this is the question I would present to you, what would our founding fathers, or how would our founding fathers, would our founding fathers be proud? There's the words, I guess. Would they be proud of what we are doing with the freedoms they fought and died for over 240 years ago? Would they be proud if they could somehow come back and look at what we've done with this country that they came for to, to start with a basis of Jesus Christ, to build a country, a Christian uh, country, a country that could be free, a country that had freedom to worship, a country that could pray? Would they be proud if they came back and saw what was happening in this country today? What is it that made this, this nation great? What has allowed this country to be the bastion of freedom for over 240 years? Why are people flocking from all over the world to try to come and start and live in this foreign land to get a, a new start? What drove our ancestors to come over here and start this nation? We have been given, folks, regardless of how we may want to look at this or that, we have been given an incredibly great nation to live by and we, to live in. And we have been given the opportunity to live here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. We are allowed that. God has allowed that. God has blessed us. We wake up sometimes, especially on 4th of July and I, uh, weekend, and I think we think about the parties and we think about the hot dogs and we think about the hamburgers. And we think about we're going to the beach or we're going to Alta Frio and we're going to camp and we're going to do all these things run through our mind. But what in reality should be going through our mind is we have all those freedoms because God himself has allowed them. And if God has allowed them, then we should be doing something to honor him for those 
freedoms. And we should be being good stewards of what he has allowed us to have. I believe that in the, in the 50 years of, of my life in this country, and, and don't get me wrong, I love this great country. I love it with all my heart. But I'm afraid that in my 50 years anyway, there's a whole lot of ills within this country as well. There's a whole lot of avenues of things that are not what our founding fathers would be proud of, nor are they things that my God would be proud of. I don't have to sit here and, 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 and tell you about the crime rates. I don't have to sit here and talk about the declining social indicators. I don't have to talk to you about the, the declining moral climate around us. We can see those things. All we have to do is look around us. And, I, and when I do, I have to ask myself, is, is the, this what the founding fathers were dying for? Is this what they, they intended when they gave their lives for, for this nation, the way we live today? Were they intending for us to go about, and as Brian said, not really pray for our president, not pray for the government, not pray for the land, just to, to take the freedoms that was given to us, handed down to us, and, and exploit them? No. You know, we are real quick to celebrate the 4th of July, but are we really celebrating it in the way we should? Are we, should we even be celebrating? Yes, we have freedom, but are we doing the things that it takes to continue that freedom? Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning uh, bashing the ills of this nation. We all know where they are. As great as this, this nation is, we have problems. There, there, there's no way to dispute that. There are problems. We, we know that. We know there's issues here. But I do believe that we have the responsibility, you and I, we have the responsibility to get engaged, to be a part of this country, to try to redirect the trajectory that it's headed on. As Christians, it is not for us to lay off the blame on this politician or that politician, this Democratic Party or that Republican Party, or this Libertarian Party or that Green Party. It's not for us to continually point fingers and play the game of politics. As Christians, we have been given the responsibility to be stewards of this nation. We can sit and argue about what man or woman we put in the White House. However, when it comes down to the bottom line, the job of keeping America great does not fall on one man or one woman. It falls on the people of God who, that he gave this country to. I believe it is a cop-out when we continually lay it all off on the one person in the White House. We need this president or that president so that things can change. You want change, it comes from God, and it comes from God when his people quit whining, crying, and running around chasing their tail and get back to being what God's called them to be, and that is humbling themselves, seeking his face, and turning from their wicked ways. As we as the church, as Christians, want to continue to play games and lay it off and blame politicians, the country's going to continue to decline. And we have nobody to blame in reality but ourselves. But we don't like pointing fingers at ourselves. I'd rather point them at whoever's in the White House. Well, you know, he, he's a good guy, or he's a bad guy, or he's that guy, or he's that guy. They're humans. One human. This country was given to us by the spiritual being of God. And he tells his people to do something. I don't believe that we are headed in a good direction right now. I don't believe that this country is headed the way it should. We need to take charge as Christians. And, and, and when I say Christians, I don't mean just this church. I mean Christians nationwide. But it starts maybe right here. It, but it starts individually with each one of us making the decision in our own lives and hearts to be what God has called us to be, to change the trajectory. Not just voting. Yes, voting is incredibly important. But it's not just about putting this person in the White House or this person in the state office, excuse me. It's about each one of us making the decision, I choose myself to be what God's called me to be. To paraphrase Luke 12, 48, too much whom it is given, much is required. This country was given to you and I as Christian brothers and sisters. There's much required. We shouldn't just sit on the back pew and not do anything. We're not allowed to just roll it every day as it comes and just hope that somebody does something. We are the ones he's called to do something. God's people, his chosen vessels, we have been given a great nation to oversee. So therefore, that means oversee. Get out there and do something. It's so easy to point fingers. In our, in our passage here, in Second in, in Chronicles, Solomon has built the temple, the temple that his daddy David was not allowed to build. 
And, and there, there's a sermon all in that right there in and of itself. But this is the temple that, that Solomon was allowed to build. And in the end of chapter 6, Solomon has, has prayed this incredible prayer of dedication. If you've never read, read chapter 6 there, you, you really should go back and see it. But Solomon has prayed this incredible prayer. And, and in the beginning of chapter 7, it says, The fire came down from, from heaven to indicate that God was pleased with Solomon. He liked what had done. The temple was filled with the cloud of the glory of God. Hallelujah! Solomon had did, did what he was told. The nation of Israel was where it was supposed to be. God's come down and he's blessed this. And after some time has passed and, and, and Solomon has completed the temple and the, the palace has been built and everything's coming together, God looks down and, and, and Solomon's in prayer and he tells Solomon, I have chosen to make this temple to be the place of sacrifice. This is where I am residing. In other words, God says, this is good. I give you this temple. I give you the nation of Israel. I have blessed you with this. But then he goes on, and look what he says in verse 13. He says, if I close the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence upon my people. In other words, if this is your nation, and this is the nation I am giving you, and if I allow all these harsh things to happen to this nation, you want to know how to interject and get it back to where it's supposed to be? And my people who are called by my name, in other words, I do all this stuff, but if my people are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. The nation's problems, we could sit and we could list them off one right after the other, after the other, after the other. But folks, let me tell you this morning, this nation's problems are spiritual in nature. They are spiritual problems. One of the things we need to understand concerning the the problems this nation struggles with, is that a human being is not going to fix them. They are rooted in, 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 in spiritual issues. Therefore, these problems that we can read about and look at, no matter how much one man may say he can repair these, no matter how much one individual can claim to make this country great again, what's going to make it great is when God's people humble themselves, pray, seek His face, and ask his healing upon this land. It is a spiritual problem. Man cannot heal the spirit, only God can. And he says, I will do that. Praise God, we serve a God who can do all things. And he says, I will do that when you do what you're told to do. When we as Christians humble ourselves. When this country was founded, it was founded as a nation upon the word of God. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there, a lot of professors, a lot of politicians that try to say, oh, no, it really wasn't this way. Folks, this country was based and founded upon God-fearing men. God-fearing men brought together. Patrick Henry said this. I wrote it down. I wanted to share with you. He said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was not founded by religionists, but by Christians. Not by religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That was the foundation of this country. What has happened over the past 35 plus years or so to this nation? We are allowing the foundation to to, to be destroyed. The foundation that this nation was built on. The house may look pretty, but the foundation is crumbling. Folks, you can build a million dollar home. Two million, five million, whatever. You can build a house that looks incredibly beautiful. But as you chip away at the foundation, if you didn't put in a good foundation or it washes out from underneath it, it doesn't matter how pretty that home may be. When the foundation goes, the home comes down. If this country was based upon, built upon the foundation of the Word of God, if Jesus Christ, Christians, was the foundation for this country, we can sugarcoat it and we can patch it and we can keep painting it and we can make it look good. But the longer we allow the world to chisel away the foundation, the longer we as Christians have been put in charge of being the stewards of that foundation, the more we allow the foundation to be chipped away, eventually the house has got to come down. No matter how pretty it may seem, and praise God, Please don't don't think I'm bashing America. I, I 
I love my country. But I love it enough also to point out where the deficits are. And as long as we allow the spirituality of this country to digress and we do not do what we are called to do to be the stewards of that foundation, then we cannot be amazed when she comes tumbling down all around us. As Christians, we have been blessed. For our nation, we should be, we should be making a stand. We should, we should have an objective to, to, to look out for. You know, we need an objective standard. As this country, we have freedoms, but these freedoms are based on the Word of God. We need something to tell us that one plus one equals two all the time. Not when we feel like it. The standard for which this nation was built upon was the Word of God. The laws that we have in this nation, the freedoms that we have, were based on the Word of God. I could pour out tons of quotes. Rustin's daddy's got them all memorized. I'd have to write them. But there's just quote after quote after quote after quote of our founding fathers saying that this country, for it to continue, for it to stand, for it to last, has got to remember that its pillars are built upon this right here. Now, if the Word of God is the foundation upon which this nation has been built, and the foundation is being destroyed, what happens to the house? See, if I was to ask you, is murder wrong? You would say, yeah. Now, I would hope when I ask, well, why is it wrong? You would say, because God's word says it is. But what happens if we don't use God's word? Well, then when is murder wrong? Who determines if murder is wrong? what, What committee comes together? Is it majority rules? Does a few men come together and decide, well, this constitutes murder and that doesn't? Or do a few men come together and say, well, this constitutes freedom of speech and this doesn't? This constitutes that and this constitutes this. Do we put that power in the hands of men or do we put it in the hands of God? Slowly but surely, I'm afraid that we as Christians are stepping back and letting the politicians and the governments get more power than the Word of God has in our lives. We are listening to the TV and watching all the political pundits and we can repeat all the quotes and the speeches of all these politicians, but we can't recite one verse out of God's Word. I'll spend hours watching the talking heads on TV, some people may say, but if you ask, well, how long did you read your Bible today? Oh, I didn't have time. Well, I'm sorry. As important as the politicians are, the political election, the the presidential election, I agree it's incredibly important and we should be engaged. But folks, I don't want you engaged in politics if you haven't first engaged with God. If you have not first sought out the will of God in your life and in the life of this country, I'd rather you stay away from the polling booths. If you're treating politics like a football game, who's going to win and who lose, and you haven't sought out God's will in your choice, I'd rather you stay home. Oh, pastor, you can't tell people not to vote. The Bible says only a fool argues with a fool, and the fool is the one who don't pick up his word. Folks, this nation was built on the word of God. We've been duped into thinking that the church is supposed to to, to stay out of government. Separation of church and state. I'm so sick of hearing that. That is not, regardless of what anyone says, that is not in the Constitution. Jefferson wrote that in a letter to a Baptist minister in Maryland to let him know that the government wasn't going to put his fingers into their church, that the government wasn't going to have its own religion. Never did it say that the church couldn't be in government. It said the government couldn't be in the church. And we've allowed the world to grab that and twist it all around. We're in somewhat of a, a, a crisis because we continually, these little statements, and these little tidbits are allowing the world to chisel away upon the foundation that this nation was built. Little by little, the foundation's being eaten away because the foundation of this nation wasn't built on politics. So many people like to put bring up the well. It, it's the democratic experiment, the Republican, the Republic experiment is what this actual government is, folks. This is not an experiment. It was a land given to us by God that men were willing to choose and say, God, what would you have us to do? And therefore, the foundation of this country is spiritual. Before we can talk politics, we need to talk spirit. Before we can rule, to decide who rules, we need to go to the Lord and say, God, what would you have me to do? It's real easy to point fingers at politicians. 
But God's people need to be the ones to fix the problem in this country. Now, that's hard. You know, just this morning, uh, I'm not going to call out names, but somebody said something about a youth fundraiser, and I heard one of the youth say, but that's work. It is. Youth fundraisers can be work. But anything that, 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 anything that is good, anything that is lasting, anything that we should care about is going to take work. You know, I have put a lot of hours. I bought an old motor home out from underneath a tree on somebody's property, and I have put so much time, energy, blood, and sweat, and almost tears into this thing. But you know what? It's running, and I am so appreciative, and I'm just like, thank you, Jesus, every time I walk by it. There's a difference in that and the guy who just got millions and goes and buys one. He's going to say, oh, yeah, you know, it's just a motorhome. To me, that's my motor. It may be old. It's only 30 years old, but to some people, that's old. But you know what? It's mine. And I put a lot of effort into it, and I thank God for it. When we don't have any effort put in it, we tend to let it, oh, who cares? When we allow this country to go every day and we don't pray for it, when we don't put any effort into sustaining the spiritual aspects of it, when we allow this country to continue on the trajectory that it's continued and we don't get on our knees and say, God, help me to change the direction, when we do not choose to go before the Lord and say, God, what would you have me to do? We don't appreciate what's been given unto us. There's no work. The Bible says here in verse 13, it says God's judgment. If God's judgment comes, as it says in verse 13, if he sends the grasshoppers, if he closes up the clouds, there is no rain. If he sends his, his judgment upon the land, what does he say there? Does he say, oh, elect new politicians? No, it says you need to do something. As Christians, we are to do something. The implication here is the people of God have a responsibility for the direction of that land. If we see the calamities, if we see the judgment coming, then the people of God, the people that that here he was talking to Solomon, the children of the nation of Israel, I would supplant there the nation of America. The people of America, when they see the calamities coming, we need to do what he said do, and that is humble ourselves, get on our knees, Pray, seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways. It is when we do those things, he says what? I'll heal your land. We can sit around and and blame Madeline Murray O'Hare. You know, oh yeah, you know, she she took prayer out of the school. It's all her fault. Why did we allow that to happen? We, We can point fingers all these different ways. But folks, bottom line, the church is going to be held accountable. When we stand before the Lord... I can say, well, it was, it was Brother Heath's fault. It was, it, it was Brother Stormy's fault. It was Sister so-and-so's fault. But he's going to say, hmm, I don't care what their stuff is. I'm talking to you. And Frank, here's my problems I have. Why didn't you say this? Why didn't you do that? Where were you at? You know, George Mason, I wanted to share this. This is the father of the Bill of Rights. He said, as nations cannot be rewarded or punished in this in the, in the next world, they must be in this. And by an inevitable chain of causes and effects, providence, God, punishes nation's sins by national calamities. You know what he's saying there? If we want things to turn around, if we see there's bad things happening in this nation, then we need to go to the one that's allowing it to happen. This was the writer of the Bill of Rights. He wasn't talking about fairness amongst people. He wasn't talking about new government systems. He said, if we see these things happen around us, then we better go to providence. We better go to the Lord. We better go to the one that allows it to happen. God's people. If we truly, praise God for the 4th of July. I'm not trying to make this, this weekend a, a, a downer. Praise God and let's celebrate the 4th of July. But if we're going to celebrate it, then we should do so with a clear heart and mind that I'm doing all within my power to set this country back to the way it's supposed to be. There are those who are trying to destroy the foundation. They don't quit. Oh, but I'm just one person in Sutherland Springs. You think of Madeline Murray O'Hare. That was one person, and she was able to get prayer taken out of the school. It doesn't matter how many people they are. You can only be responsible, be responsible for you. What are you doing? It's real simple. He says, the first thing my people are supposed to do when you see the calamities coming, first thing is humble yourself. If my people, 
who are called by my name, humble themselves. Humbling ourselves. Here, I'm going to go through these four steps real quickly here just to make sure we understand them because I, I think maybe as Christians we forgot this, especially this first one. If my people are called according to my name, will humble themselves. Humbling ourselves means going to put God in his rightful place in our lives. Doesn't mean going to church on Sunday. Doesn't mean that I say grace over my meal every day. Praise God if you do that. Doesn't mean I read my Bible every day. Praise God if you do that as well. Humbling myself means that I am going to acknowledge Jesus Christ as my supreme ruler in all things. We are not the masters of our universe, folks. Humbling ourselves means I choose to acknowledge the fact that I mess things up. I make dumb mistakes. I say silly things. Therefore, in humility, I choose to give the lordship of my universe to Jesus Christ. In other words, when he says humble ourselves, it's saying we need to quit trying to do things the way we want to do them and start doing things the way he says do them. As Americans and as Christians, I don't think we do that very well. I tend to think, and and yes, I'm saying this in the church to the church, and whomever else can listen, we are a pretty, very prideful lot. We're real proud about what I can do. We're real proud of, look at all these accomplishments of who I am. Here's Here's something to remind you here. You can do nothing that my God has not allowed you to do. There is no empowerment whatsoever that I have that my God has not allowed. In fact, I could talk about intellect and and, and strength and all these great attributes of man, but God could speak and my life be done right now. Not a one of us in here can live eternally without the blood of Jesus Christ to wash us into the glory. It's only by His grace that we are here, folks, We need to quit trying to do things our own way, put aside the pride and humble ourselves. And when we're truly humbled, when we truly understand and acknowledge the humility around us, it's not my way but your way, it is then that we pray. Unfortunately, guys, you know, we'll pray when we're proud, but I just don't know if those prayers really are getting much past the ceiling oftentimes. We can pray and try to even say the right things, But if we do it with a boastful, prideful heart, I have to wonder, is God really hearing that? However, when we humble ourselves and truly get on our knees, you know what's going to happen? I'm not praying for my will anymore. Because we may be saying, oh, and in God's name, in God's will be done. But if we're doing it prideful, you know what you're saying? God, your will needs to match mine. You know, you need to get in the game here. But if I humble myself in true humility, I get on my knees and I pray, you know what I'm saying now? Not my will, but thine be done. That's the kind of prayer it's going to take to redirect this nation. It's not about me winning the political football game. It's not about my guy getting into office, or my girl, or my whomever. Pretty soon they'll have gorillas running for office. It's about, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have this country to do? I humbly get on my knees and I pray, as Brian said, for this country. I get on my knees, Lord, and I humbly, in humility, ask your will to be done for our leaders. I pray for President Barack Obama. I pray for for the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. I pray for, for the Vice President, Joe Biden. I will pray for the Democratic minority leader, Harry Reid. I will sit here and I will put their names into my head, not because I agree with them, not because I like them, but because they are the authorities that God, and yes, it was God, allowed to sit in those positions. Therefore, I choose to lift them up in prayer, that they will also humble themselves and seek your ways. We have been called, as Brian shared in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, We are to pray for everyone, honor everyone, including the kings of the land, and submit ourselves unto the authority that God has allowed. We are to lift them up in prayer, whether we agree with them or not. 
I spoke about this Thursday night too in the passage of Scripture that Brian spoke of. Folks, we need to understand that we have been told, we have been called out to pray for our leaders and not in an arrogant, spiteful way. We're not saying, Lord, I pray that you zap the president because I don't like him. I am to humble myself and say, Lord, not my will. I don't understand all that's going on, but I pray that you will touch the president and guide his thoughts, his actions, his direction. We are to humble ourselves. I know it's getting late, but remember what he, I want to step through each one of these. I am to humble myself. I am to pray. I am to seek God's face. When he says, and seek my face, what does he mean? What he, what, what, when God says, my people that are called upon my, by my name are to humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. You say, well, I'm, I'm already praying to him. Obviously, I must be seeking his face. This phrase is used twice other in Psalms 27.8 and Hosea 5.15. And each time he is saying, when you want your, my will to be done in your life. When it says seeking his face, I'm not trying to see what he looks like. You know what it really translates to? When my people humble themselves, pray, and truly want God's will to be done. We want to redirect this country. We want to put the trajectory back on a pathway of godliness. We need to ask God's will to be done. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was sweating drops of blood. He knew what awaited him on that cross. He knew what awaited him in Jerusalem. He knew what was going to transpire to the point that he said, Father, if there's any other way. He was in turmoil. He was beaten. But yet, what did he finish that line with? Yet not my will, but thine be done. That's humbling himself, getting on his knees in prayer, seeking the face of God. Praise God. He didn't have to turn from his wicked ways. There weren't any. But I guarantee you that you and I, when we do, we better turn from them. We have them. Oh, well, pastor, uh, I'm not doing anything wicked. That's, that's, that's harsh. Why would you say that, pastor? I go to church. I say my blessings. I, I, I eat right. I do well. I, I'm not wicked. Remember, wickedness is doing the opposite of what God's will says to do. Anytime we do something that wasn't God's will, we're being wicked. And that means every single one of us in here has been wicked at one point or another. It's not just that guy that's out here and did this, that, or the other. Every one of us is wicked. And the only way to turn from that is to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Say, God, here I am. Brian said it well. If we, as the church, cannot follow God's ways, then how in the world can we expect others? If we can't set the example, then how can we expect others to live the way God would have them to live? If we can't be what God's called us to be, as the church, as the people who call out by His name, then how can we expect the politicians to do otherwise? We need God to hear us. We need for, for our pleas to reach heaven. If, if God does not hear our plea, we're in trouble. But I would tell you this morning that if we do not humble ourselves, then our prayers are not seeking truly His will, seeking His face. If we're not turning from our wicked ways, then our prayers may not be getting the magnitude, the amplitude that they need. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, excuse me, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. What does he say? I will heal their land. What I would submit to you this morning, folks, is we need to to get the disobedient spirit blocks out of our lives. If we Praise God for the 4th of July. Praise God we have the freedoms in this country to gather together in here and and celebrate, and some of us may be thinking about where we're going to go, and we've got all this great activities lined up, and praise God for it. But we need to be have obedient spirits before we do any of that. Or we're just taking the country that God has given us and being terrible stewards. He also says there that He not only will heal our lands, but He'll forgive their sins. This morning... God is a God who loves you, and forgiveness is necessary to receive God's blessing. But he loves us enough that he offered and made a way for that forgiveness to take hold, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ.
If we want this country to turn around and, and change its trajectory, if we want this country to be something that we can truly celebrate, our, and I would say think beyond ourselves, if we want our grandchildren to be able to be our age and be able to celebrate the freedoms they have in this country, then it starts out with, first of all, each one of us accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Joining His army. And then once we have joined that army, being the stewards of the land He's given us, the way He's called us to do so. Everyone in here has sinned. Every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. But the remission of sins is through the blood. And He said, Whomsoever believes that I am the Son of God, and I died and was resurrected on that third day, so shall they be saved. Whomsoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We want this country back to where it needs to be. First of all, we need to get our life where it should supposed, is supposed to be. We need to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. God can come in and make things all new. Hallelujah. And then when he makes our bodies, our spiritual temples here all new, we can't treat our elections like some kind of high school football game, who wins and who loses. We need to get back to the spiritual issues and say, God, what would you have me to do? We need to get back on our knees in humility and pray and vote the way God's will tells us to do so. We need to vote not because some man or a woman tells us to, but because God's will tells us to. Lord, what would you have me to do? There's only one who can heal this land. You'll hear all kinds of, of quotes out, out of uh, both of the front runners for president. I would even say the third if you want to include the libertarian. But all those quotes that are thrown out there, there's only one who can truly make America great again, and that's God. And he said he would do it. When his people humble themselves, pray, seek his face, and turn from their wicked ways. Are you willing to do that? We're real willing to argue politics. But are we willing to do what it really takes to do what we're arguing about? That's the question that each one of us has to ask. Not ask your spouse. You. Ask yourself, am I ready? Each one of us that claims Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has that responsibility to make sure that we are part of the solution, not part of the problem. There's enough people arguing politics. There's enough lost people arguing politics. There's enough Christians that are acting like lost people arguing politics. Let's quit arguing and do what God told us to do. That's how things change. Where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? I can talk politics. I keep up with it. But I'd much rather talk this right here. Where are you this morning? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, guys, that's first and foremost. Please, make that decision. It makes the country a better place the more true Christians there are in it. There's plenty who say they are. Billy Graham said the greatest evangelistic field we have is in the pews of our Baptist churches. There's a lot of lost people sitting in church today. If you're one of those, God loves you still and He's asking you to make a decision, make a commitment. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, what better way to celebrate the 4th of July to celebrate your independence of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ? You'll never forget the day you were saved. Because you can say, it's Independence Day. Oh yeah, for America? No, for me, that was even better. But and America. If you don't know Jesus, get that right today. I'll pray. You can pray right where you're at. You can say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of your grace. And it's not with your mouth. It's with your heart. You can pray that prayer and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. You can go where you're at. I can pray with you. You can come to this altar and pray. You can go to a brother or sister across the aisle and say, I need to pray. But get that right. And then I would say, for the rest of you that are here, all of us that knows Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, let's make the commitment before we walk out those doors, whatever the, the, our itinerary is for the rest of the weekend, before we leave those doors, let's make the commitment in our lives. I choose 
to be one of those people that God told Solomon would heal their land. I choose to turn from my worldly ways and the wickedness, humble myself, pray, and seek his face. If every Christian would do that, he didn't say, I might heal your land. He said, I will heal your land. What a promise. What a promise. Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. This altar will be open. You can come to this altar and pray. I'll pray with you. You can pray where you're at. But let's not leave here today till we... It's great to celebrate the freedom we have in this country, but how much greater will it be to celebrate if I know I've done my part to ensure that freedom for those that are coming after me? Praise God that I can say that I live in this country. I hope that my grandchildren can stand at my age and say, praise God that I live in this great country. And may their grandchildren and their grandchildren, if the Lord doesn't return first. It's in our hands. It's in His hands. Please let us have a turn. What are we going to do with it? As we pray. Father God, I come before you now and just... Thank you for this opportunity to open your word and to remind us of what you said here in Second, Second, Second Chronicles, Lord, that we, we have the capability to redirect this great land if we will just turn from our wicked ways and do what you've called us to do. God, it's not about church hopping. It's not about this church or that church, this doctrine, that doctrine, this Christian, that Christian. It's about all Christians humbling themselves and putting you first. God, I pray your will to be done here today, Lord. And may you get all the praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, it looks like Chris is still having to work. Bob's going to lead us in song this morning. But guys, lift up your heart. Sing if the Lord's telling you to sing. Pray if he's telling you to pray. If he's telling you to get on your knees, get on your knees. If he's pointing out, yeah, you're the one that pastor's speaking to today. Say, thank you, Lord, for that acknowledgement. I, I choose otherwise. But do whatever it is God's telling you to do. And in one accord, let's praise his name. Amen.